my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. If you feel ripped off by me, well, let me tell you something. We have clark.com slash clarkstinks, where you can post your unhappiness with me. In a half hour from now, you get to hear producer Krista read posts that people have put on Clark Stinks and see whether you agree or disagree with how somebody feels I have failed to serve you. So I've been struggling with something for the last couple of weeks, and it's kind of eaten at me. It was new data that says that the percent of Americans who can't handle a surprise emergency expense is at an all-time record high. I mean, here we are at a point where we're 10 years into an economic expansion and people are still struggling to keep their heads financially above the water. And that, that eats at me because I know how anxiety-producing it is when you owe money and when you're worried about one thing leading to a serious financial calamity for yourself. And I can tell you that as we hit this downturn in the economy that hopefully will be short-lived and not morph into a full recession, we're getting more calls from people that are being laid off. I mean, there were a number of years that that basically vanished as a topic for a caller calling into our show. We are in a time of more economic uncertainty, and there's some trouble spots. It doesn't mean that we go into a serious downturn, but we are in a slowing. So you have to prepare for a potential rain in your own financial life. And so when you hear these recommendations that you're supposed to have three months of your pay saved or six months of your pay saved, if you're living on fumes right now, that's just defeating, right? But all of us know at a base level that having some money set aside is a good idea. We just can't get there. So I want to present you with a $500 challenge. $500. Because when people are surveyed, most of the surveys are based on a $400 unexpected expense that the majority of Americans now say they can't handle a $400 unexpected expense. So I want to put out the $500 challenge. And what I'd like you to think about is saving $10 a week. $10 a week till you get to 500 bucks. And think through, I mean, maybe in your budget, you are already so bare bones with what you spend money on. Maybe what I'm saying is ridiculous. But the truth is, for most of us, There's little things we can do with the spending we do now that can get us those $10. And, you know, a lot of the online banks that 
are paying the decent rates of interest have no minimum that has to go in. So you can't even be putting this money in each week. Or you could come up with a modification of it if you get paid every two weeks, you put $20 in every two weeks. Whatever works for you to in little pieces, little morsels of money, you over time, I mean, doing what I said, you'd get to $500 in less than, just a whisker less than a year. Or if you want to think monthly, if you did $40 a month, that would get you almost to $500 in a year. But I want you to think about this whole idea of baby steps to creating some breathing space in your life. Again, if you're just completely financially exhausted and you just can't come up with 10 bucks a week, I get it. And there's some of us that that's true, but most of us, it's not true. And there are things we can do that can squeeze additional money out. So that's the challenge to you. I'd like you to try to take that to heart if you are really truly living paycheck to paycheck with no cushion in your life. Start at $10 a week. You know, if you get to the 500 and you said that wasn't so bad, keep it up. Keep doing the 10 a week or 40 a month or whatever works, 20 a pay period, whatever makes it happen for you and keep building. Let's just, I'm getting ahead of myself. Just think in terms of getting to 500 is a really good place for you to get to. And you can go to clark.com slash save for more on the savings challenge. Kenneth is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kenneth. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Kenneth. So uh, you want to talk about something that I love to talk about, and that's Hawaii. Oh, yeah. That, that was uh, one question. Uh, I plan a trip with my significant other later in April, later, later April in 2020. And I was just wondering when the best time to book a flight and would be using rewards, uh, credit card rewards. So is it one of the reward systems where you um, so many points equals so many dollars of airfare that you can fly on any airline with it? It is her reward, so I can't answer that question. All right. So the reason I ask that is we've had one sale after another after another to Hawaii, and uh, mm-hmm. particularly anyone who lives on the West Coast. And uh, yes, we live in. Yes, we do. All right, California, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, and Nevada have had repeated sales to the Hawaiian Islands in the range of upper twos to upper threes round trip. Like $300? Right. Wow. And that's because of what's known as the Southwest effect. Southwest has started flying from West Coast to Hawaii, and it has upset the apple cart for Alaska Airlines and Hawaiian, which are the two big airlines that dominate flying to Hawaii. To a lesser extent, American, United, and Delta fly to Hawaii just so they can have that as a lure for their frequent flyers. 
Okay. And so it there's deal after deal after deal to the Hawaiian Islands. And depending on how the points convert, you may or may not want to use points and maybe buy a sail airfare. Okay. And for travel okay. in April, you're going to start seeing uh, sales that will occur potentially in October, but likely later. The best deals okay. are going to happen just after Christmas till about January 15th. Okay. So start paying attention October and particularly around Christmas. Then. Just after Christmas, yeah. And okay. I'd like for you to set up uh, what's known as a fare alert, where if you okay. go to um, any of a number of those booking sites have fare alerts, the two sure. that I'm most interested in are what Kayak offers and what Google offers at google.com slash flights. And they alert you when there's a movement in the fares that's a good movement. And when there's a deal, okay. pounce on it. Whether it's okay. some kind of conversion of those points or it's um, actually the purchase of a ticket with actual dollars. Okay. I also wanted to brag to you about a car I own. Oh, okay. <laughs> I own a 2000 small SUV, and I purchased the car in 2005. And the odometer read 111,000 miles at that time. And during the 14 years, I've logged 100,000 miles. And I've just reached that mark this summer. And adding all the expenses, all the expenses, that the price of the car, insurance, everything, and divided that figure by the 100,000, I figured uh, 38 cents a mile. Have you got any information about what the average may be for yeah. expense per mile cents. of a car? 60 cents is a fair number to work by. Okay. So you're driving at virtually half price. Right. And by the way, that average is based on all vehicles. If you have a high-end SUV, that figure would be a lot higher. A lot of Right of luxury and near luxury vehicles effectively end up costing their owners between one and two dollars a mile. Well, some of those folks can afford it, I guess. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Okay, this is the thing. Uh, okay, this is so fun because when I talk to school groups, and if you've heard this story before, I apologize. I love to paint a picture, two pictures. One of a family living in a big fancy house with brand new vehicles and all kinds of fancy electronic gadgets. And then the second one is a family living in a more modest house, driving a used car, and old gadgets. And so I asked the kids, and it doesn't matter if they're third graders or 12th graders or in between, I ask them, which is the million dollar family? Which is the one that's a millionaire? And overwhelmingly, regardless of the age of the kids, they always think the family with all the fancy stuff is the family of millionaires. And the reality is, based on the research of the late Professor Stanley, who wrote The Millionaire Next Door and other books, that the reality is, is that people who live a more modest lifestyle almost always are the families with a higher net worth than the people who drive around in the fancy vehicles and all that. So it appears they can afford it when they actually can't most of the time. Kevin's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? Very good, Clark. Great to talk to you. Well, great to have you here. Uh, you are interested 
in investing in real estate. Tell me what the pitch is you've gotten. So the pitch is really through uh, one of the crowdfunding options. And they hold your money for a certain period of time. They pay you a monthly payout based on the profitability of that profit. And then at the end of the deal, they try to sell the, the property. And then you hopefully get a benefit from that sale as well. And how long is your money tied up in this real estate offering? That is, the I think, the, the potential downside. is tied up for 10 years. Okay. And is this a publicly traded one that's traded on uh, stock exchanges, or is this a private circular? No, this would be a private circular. I wouldn't do that any day of the week. Okay. Uh, the problem with the private circular offerings for real estate investing is under the law, there's minimal disclosure of all the fees that can occur, your hands are tied. If you need the money at some point in the 10 years, you can't get it. And you have no control of the overhead that they create in their organization either. And so you're, you're taking money, and for 10 years, you're making it completely illiquid. In other words, it's yep. like it, it's dead to you for those 10 years and you have no idea at the end of 10 years what money you'll actually get. But that's only the beginning of the problems with a private offering for real estate. Usually you have to sign something saying that you got a lot of money and it won't matter if you lose any of the money you're putting into it. I'm putting in layman's terms the legal yep. notice you have to sign. Did they say that in anything you've received? They have said that you have to sign something saying that you're a silent partner and have no, no real rights is how I understand it. Yeah, run away. So my thing with real estate is you either invest directly in owning a property yourself, whether it's a rental property, an office building, a small apartment, whatever, that you have something that you're in control of or you go the complete other extreme and you invest only through publicly traded things like my favorite is REIT index funds, real estate investment trust index funds, yeah. where you're not even betting on one publicly traded real estate investment trust. You're betting on several and the operator of the REIT, which will usually be the low cost mutual fund companies that offer these REIT funds. You pay tiny expenses, and you can go in and out pretty much at will. So the money's not tied up. I've been getting an increasing number of calls about these private circular offerings, and I think they stink for everybody except the people doing the private offering. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mike. Hey, Clark. Uh, You are a person with a generous heart wanting to help those people who've suffered so much in the Bahamas from Hurricane Dorian, right? Yes, yes. I was trying to get your advice on what would be some practical uh, ways to give, you know, probably over the Internet and, uh, you know, just ease of giving uh, and then how to make sure the money actually goes to, you know, what we all want it to go to, which is to help people that are in, in need. Right. The scamsters are already out. I talked about that the other day on my show. 
And so we put up a revised guide to donations for Hurricane Dorian relief and how to avoid the scams. And because you're looking at doing a donation for international purposes, you really need to stick with the very large known organizations. So I've got links so that if you click on one to donate, you know it's going to that organization, not somebody pretending to be them. Right. And I guess those are vetted. Yes. And and, this is going to be a multi-year recovery for those islands in the Bahamas. This is going to be a long-term kind of thing. I'm hoping at some point that Habitat for Humanity will do a build at one of the islands and that I'll be able to be part of that as a volunteer or a sponsor. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Remember, this show is here for you. This is about you. We all learn together. We're all part of Team Clark. And you rely upon me to give you advice that you can put to work in your life. You rely on me to give you good information, good opinions. And there are times that I let you down on one of those things. And that's why I need your feedback, because I need to learn from you. That's why at Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, if I've annoyed you, angered you, or disappointed you, go post where you feel I didn't get it right. Others can read what you posted. They can comment on it. They can agree or disagree with you. And then weekly, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Clark, I've been planning a trip to Cancun. Clark said a couple of months ago, wait to book the flight because prices to fun in the sun destinations will drop for when I plan to go. Well, the price of flights have doubled since June when I first started looking. I'm now just about six weeks from wanting to leave on my trip, and it looks like my flight will cost me double what it would have if I would have booked then. Oh, well, I guess sometimes you gamble and lose. Love most of your advice, John. John, I am so sorry. Uh, There are a lot of deals right now to the Caribbean. The fall airfare sales are going on from a number of airlines. And in fact, there are fall sales all over the world and around the country. And you know, Clark, John did submit this like a couple weeks ago. So hopefully he's found a sale. John, I I hope that that is old news (laughs) that I sent you down the river and the fares are much higher because the pattern right now, particularly in the last week, has been for significantly lower fares for fall. That's the normal pattern. And I'm just puzzled how the fare for you to the Yucatan has skyrocketed so much. I hope that it does turn around for you or has already. By no means does Clark stink, but I just wanted to follow up. I had done a post in regards to Southwest change fees after I had to drive to Indianapolis instead of flying out of Columbus. And he said it was a fail on Southwest. But he also asked how the cruise was. The cruise was amazing. My daughter and I had the time of our life. Keep it up, Dave from Dayton. Dave, I'm really sorry, and um, I hope that you have reached out to Southwest, and the problem with the additional costs you had 
they have since fixed because uh, when you get uh, in a situation where you had to reroute because of a problem they had, it should not eat up your wallet. I'm going to stick with the travel theme for one oh, more. Oh, man. Is this the travel show? <laughs> I know. It's just fun. I love your podcast, but you recommended that visitors might want to save money and go camping on the beach in Hawaii. It's not paradise on the beach at night. My information might not be correct today, but when I lived and worked at Juvie for many years, you do not want to be involved with the potential outcome of that particular recommendation. Zuzan. Um, I got to go with your experience on that. I'm, I've always been surprised how many people do, in fact, do their vacay on the beach in Hawaii because for me that I'm way past uh well when I was a teenager I used to love camping anywhere not anymore Clark you don't stink I've heard you talk about being able to take Amazon returns to Kohl's I wish to provide some information that your listeners may not be aware of Recently, I lugged two large packages to Kohl's with a copy of my Amazon order invoice. I was told my order invoice did not help. I would need a QR code from Amazon. Went home, went through the process and obtained the code and went back. Once again, lugging my two large packages. This time, Kohl's told me that I, since I live more than eight miles away, they would not accept my Amazon returns and I would instead have to take them to a UPS store. Thanks for all that you and your team do, Mike. Mike. I mean, this is not the intent of either Amazon or Kohl's to make this a miserable experience for you doing Amazon returns. I hope that your situation with double trouble is an isolated incident because, to my knowledge, yours is the only complaint of its type we've heard so far about being able to use Kohl's as a place to return purchases from Amazon. I just dropped one at UPS this morning, too. I have to say it's so easy. You don't even have to wrap it up. You just give them the Amazon sheet and the return, and they take it. And I had the refund in my account same and day. And make sure you always get the slip from the UPS store yes. showing that you did a return. Hi, Clark. I love the show, but this tro- topic drives me crazy. Every time a caller asks about paying off their mortgage, you always tell them to invest in a 401k if their rate is low. I think you should ask them, if you have your house paid, would you get a mortgage to invest that money in the market? If no, what is the difference? The first order should be investing in retirement, but not more than 15%. Everything after should go to the house, not all to investing. You know better than anyone with benefits the benefits of living debt-free. Your income is the best tool to build wealth. Thanks, Daniel. Daniel, thank you for that post. And when you hear me use someone's mortgage interest rate as a decision trigger, It's about where you get your greatest return on your money. And owning your home free and clear, if you don't have adequate money saved for retirement, can be a difficult circumstance because you can't eat your house. You know, you can't use it as a source of funds. So that's why you hear me be nuanced about the answer. Yes, you're right. I've been uh, debt free, including mortgage debt free, for a long, long, long time. And I despise debt, so it must be especially confusing when you hear me go through that protocol with somebody to see if it really is a better idea for them to pay off their mortgage or rather to save additional money for retirement or rainy day or whatever purpose. But that's why I approach it that way, because I'm looking for what is the most practical way to handle every dollar 
that you can put aside in your life. I just heard your statement on tariffs on women's clothing and how this may not be the year to buy and or give this category for Christmas. Do you even realize how many small, independent, brick-and-mortar and online boutiques you just threw under the bus with your blanket statement? With your information, the consumer may automatically assume that our prices will be significantly higher without even taking the time to shop our stores to find out for themselves. How do you know that we are not taking steps to buy and source items made in the USA or have pre-bought before the tariffs went into effect to avoid the price increases? Your statement was very irresponsible and ill-informed and has the potential to financially hurt small entrepreneurs like myself. You may be a consumer guru, but you're definitely not small business friendly. You lost my respect today, Susan. Susan, I appreciate your post, and I love your passion for your business. And I'd say that I painted that with a pretty broad brush, and you're right to call me out for it. Um, As a general rule, there are going to be things that are going to be more expensive this year because of the ongoing disputes that we've had going on with China. And what I said about clothing was probably too broad a statement, and I'm sorry that I offended you. A recent caller asked about the best place to make a will, and you referred him to the Willmaker software. You should have first asked him about what would be in his estate if a revocable living trust could save his heirs money by avoiding probate. Steve. Steve, thank you. All right, so let's talk about revocable living trust, also irrevocable living trust. They're both forms. And if somebody has enough in assets that they're looking those directions, or you live in a state where probate is very expensive, which is actually not true in most states. Probate is generally not a big hassle or very expensive in most places in the country. Setting up trusts can be a pretty expensive and complicated process. And so I would say that if you're in a position where you have enough assets that you're considering things like that, you don't want to be using any kind of software You want to go to a lawyer who specializes in wills, estates, and trusts and figure out what is the the best thing for you and what series of documents and ownership types you should have for your assets as part of a more comprehensive, more thoughtful process. But uh, very few of us are in a position where we have enough assets or live in one of the states that have difficult probate processes that we need to uh, get into pretty complicated stuff. Clark, I just, I purchased my refurbished Chromebook six months ago. It was just updated with a message from Google saying it would be the last update and to purchase another Chromebook. Looks like these machines have an end of life cycle. This secure computer will no longer be secure after their next update. And now I have a $100 paperweight. Ugh. Please mention this possibility to your listeners when you recommend this purchase. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Eric. And this has been a problem in the electronics field for a while where uh, any of the electronics companies, after a certain date, say, hey, yeah, we're not going to provide updates for this device anymore. And I think it is a terrible, terrible problem if um, you have purchased something in good faith think the manufacturer is standing behind it. And in this case, Google says, oh, well, we're not going to do this anymore. You were right. 
I've created a $100 paperweight for you. And the good news is you bought an ultra inexpensive computer and your downside is $100 instead of several hundred, but it still stings, doesn't it? I love your show and I love Clark, but come on. Who doesn't know what a fine-toothed comb is? A comb with fine teeth. I don't. What does that mean? (laughs) As you would search thoroughly with a knit comb, you search thoroughly as with a comb with very fine teeth, Doris. What? Just very thin little teeth in the comb. Oh. That's a fine-toothed Thick ones. Okay. Okay. Well, see, I never stop learning. And, you know, I've always had a problem where I use old-time phrases. I'll butcher them. I'll get them backwards or whatever. And then later somebody will say, do you realize what that phrase actually means that you just said? And sometimes it's like, oh, never knew that was the origin of it. So I appreciate that. I appreciate all your posts. If you feel that there's something that you need to re-educate me on, or you need to take me to task, please, and people did all those things today, please go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, and please let me know. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ava is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ava. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great, Ava. So you are facing a challenge that so many people are, and that's how in the world are you going to be able to afford college? Yes, exactly. So uh, where are you on this journey? Have you started college yet? I have, actually. I did one year at community college, and now I'm transferring off to a university. And tell me how much that university is going to cost you. Um, it's going to be around $20,000 a year. Okay, so you got three years left, so $60,000. How are you going to pay yeah. for it? Um, I don't know. (laughs) All right. So you chose to leave community college after a year. You just had enough of it. You didn't want to do another year community college? Yeah. Um, it just wasn't right for me. Okay. All right. What are you studying? I'm studying finance. Well, good for you. Thank you. All right. So... As a finance major, you'll get this. What I what I tell people as a general rule of thumb is you can only afford that college degree if the total amount you have to borrow for your four-year degree is less than what you're likely to earn the first year on a job. So the question for you, 
Do you think with a finance degree you'll be able to out earn sixty thousand when you go yeah, to work? I, I think so. If you think realistically you can earn sixty, then that would be okay for you to borrow that much. I mean, it's more than most people borrow for school, but if it's the only way you can get through and you're going into a field that hopefully will be pretty lucrative, then borrowing that money is something that you could do. But what resources do you have to draw on? Is this totally on you? Yeah, unfortunately, that is my big problem here is because in uh, most of the companies that I am trying to get a loan from, they give me really high interest rates because it is only me um, on that loan. So you got no family member that's going to take out a parent plus loan or anything like that? No, unfortunately. All right. The school you're going to, is it a state school or a private school? It's a state school. Have you gotten on a first-name basis with someone in the financial aid office there? I have been emailing back and forth with them, uh, and uh, I applied for every scholarship that I could. All right. Do you know about FastWeb? No, I, I don't know about that. Right. I want you to look at FastWeb.com, which is a clearinghouse for micro-scholarships, like little obscure scholarships that aren't, aren't going to... It's not going to be like it's going to cover huge chunks of your schooling but if you continually work the obscure scholarships you see on fast web you may be able to defray some of the costs that you'd have to borrow for are you okay are you you. eligible for uh student work study yes i am actually i did apply for that and so you're likely considering working 20 hours a week yeah that's what i did in the past um when i went to community college I, I love how industrious you are. So Thank you. I wonder if you get before someone who is a decision maker in the financial aid office, if there's more they can do for you. And the best of all is if you can get a job in the financial aid office for your college work study. I mean, I didn't even think about that. That is one of the greatest ways for you to be, hey, what about Ava? What can we do for her? You know, it, it completely changes how they treat you and what they get done for you. You want to be somebody they like, they care about, they want to see you succeed. Also, in the, in the business school or finance department, professors there are potential sources of money for you. Maybe you do some assistant work for a professor they know money that might be available for you. And there are any of a number of possibilities as you learn to advocate for yourself. Everybody wants to wants you to win when you have to make this all happen on your own. And that's why you got to be there on that campus, be present, and be advocating for yourself. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.